When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express and a proud member of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Thrilled to be with you on Monday, May 16th as Roland Garros kicks off qualifying already underway in Paris. We'll get the draws on Thursday, main draw Sunday. So much to look forward to with that. We've also got a lot to look forward to on the program. Michael Moe is going to join us, the, the world number 179, who won the USTA's Roland Garros wildcard challenge. will be playing in the main draw in Paris, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about his, where his career is at now. The 24-year-old is a former world number 96 and a number two ranked junior. Used to rack up wins against guys like Andre Rublev, Stefano Tsitsipas, Hubert Urkacz. Um, so lots of potential in Michael Moe's game, and he's starting to put it together. He talks to us about how he's overcome injuries of late and how he's finally getting some momentum. New relationship with a coach, Agi Sabarczyk, has sparked him. And also, he watched Michael Jordan's The Last Dance, and that gave him some inspiration as well. Of course, Michael Moe is named after Michael Jordan. We also talk a little bit about his family, which is very interesting upbringing. His father is Nigerian, was a former ATP player. His mother from Ireland. Michael actually grew up for 13 years in Saudi Arabia. So a very interesting interview with a very nice young player who's 24 years of age and has a lot of potential. Guys are watching the American men do so well uh, in the last year or so. Keep an eye on Michael Moe. Keep your ears on this interview. It's coming up next, and I will see you guys on the other side. Michael Moe, big pleasure to speak with you today. How are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah, I'm just um, getting ready. I'm leaving tomorrow for um, the Europe trip, going to Lyon first, and then obviously after Lyon, playing the French Open. So yeah, I'm excited for um, getting my road trip started tomorrow. Very cool. Yeah, very very uh, exciting turn of events for you, of course, locking up the USTA's wild card for Roland Garros. You get direct entrance to the main draw at a tournament. I think you've only done main draw once, and I don't, I don't think that was really a fun year, if I'm if I'm mis- not mistaken. It was 2020, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, no, you're correct. Um, that was the only time I qualified that year. Um, and basically, you know, there was no fans. Um, so like you said, it wasn't the best of years to play or wasn't the greatest French Open experience just because of that. And then um, along with that, it was late in the year. So when I played my match, I think I played like first on and it was super cold. Um, just, yeah, just wasn't ideal conditions, I guess. 
Yeah, that was a miserable. That was a kind of a miserable experience early in that tournament. I remember it well. But you've got some experience playing in Paris. I think semis of the boys singles back in the day when you were a top ranked junior. So, um, do you have some special connection with Paris and playing on the red clay out there? Um, honestly, yeah, I do think that that specific clay court really suits me. Um, I think it plays a little bit faster. You know, kind of similar to how the green clay courts like the hard true clay courts play out in the states um just a little bit quicker than you know some of the slower european clay courts and i definitely think that that suits my game and um i feel like that's why i've been pretty comfortable playing on those courts and also you know they're probably as good as clay courts can get super smooth and uh you know no bad bounce bad bounces and whatnot so yeah, i'm looking forward to being out there again yeah, definitely. So, can you talk to me a little bit about where you're at in terms of in terms of your game? It, it's obviously um, obviously coming together pretty nicely for you with the the Challenger final in Tallahassee, the quarterfinal run in Houston, which was a little bit interesting. And um, but overall, you must be feeling pretty pretty good about where you're at. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, last year and some of the years before were tough years, just because I was dealing with a lot of injuries. And I was ne- never able to get like a full consistent schedule where I was playing all year round healthy. You know, I'd always like miss four months here or three months there. So now I feel like my body's finally at a place where I'm able to play week in and week out. And I'm liking how my game is, uh, you know, forming because of that. I'm able to just get consistent reps of playing matches. And I really think, um, this year is going to be a good year for me just because of that. How how have you managed, Michael, to get healthy? I know you've had some issues, a little bit of elbow here and there, and also a lot with the shoulder. What does it take for you to get your body right and to get into a place that you're in now? Um, you know, honestly, definitely a lot of just, like, detailed work, you know, detailed work on, you know, some areas that have been more of a problem in terms of my injury history. You know, try to hone in on those, um, try to make sure that, you know, they don't re-arise, you know, by doing the discipline work. And then overall, just kind of tr- uh, changing the way I train on a day-to-day basis, just a little bit, just tweaking it. Um, and I've found some success this year that will uh, I'll definitely repeat for years to come. Oh, that's very cool. It's a, the evolution of Michael Moe. It, t- it, takes, it takes a lot to get things on track, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, people, I guess, sometimes forget that the tennis season is so long. You know, you're playing for 10 and a half months, almost 11 months out of the year. So, you know, it's tough to find pockets for recovery and to get your game better and all of that. Um, And then at the same time, like even when you're playing, you still have to maintain, you know, like I said, if I have a shoulder injury, I have to maintain my shoulder um continuously otherwise you know it might uh turn into a problem again so you just have to be very disciplined for basically the whole year Mm. and michael when your game is clicking i've heard you talk in the past a little bit about wanting to be more aggressive like that's a constant thing that you're working on in your own game Um, but when you're clicking and when things are going right what is vintage michael mo tennis like i feel like um when i'm at my best I'm really able to, like, squeeze um, the options for my opponent in terms of he doesn't know whether, 
you know, if he if he's being too too aggressive, you know, he might be missing quite a few balls here and there because, you know, I'm like almost like narrowing the court on him based on the way I move. And then at the same time, if he decides to hang back and, you know, start leaving balls short, you know, I'm going to make him pay for that. And I feel like this year I'm starting to mold into that, that right balance of, you know, whenever I do get the looks and whenever a guy is content, I'm making him pay. And then if he's trying to force shots, um, that's not going to also work because, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at covering um, the lengths of the court. Yeah. It's the, the wheels and the fitness have always been your calling card. Wouldn't you say that's true? Definitely, yeah. Definitely. I wonder, if you take me back several years ago, when you were a junior and a top junior, you've got wins over so many players that are currently, you know, big names, Rublevs and Sitsipas of the world. You know, you had a rivalry with Riley Opelka that you had the, got the better of him quite a bit. What in particular for you is difficult about that transition, going from a top junior with a lot of expectations into the pro game? It, was it the injuries and those kind of things and, and just maturing? Are those the things that are the most difficult, or is there something about the pro game that's tricky? Um, I would say, to be honest, the majority um, would definitely be just the, the lack of continuity due to the injuries. Yes. Not necessarily just like the injuries itself, um, it making me worse or something like that, or it making me less of an athlete, just the time spent away, um, especially the timing of some of the the months that I had to step away. You know, like I crack into the top 100, and then shortly right after that, you know, I'm out for five months, and then I have to kind of, you know, do the whole challenger thing again. Um, but then, you know, in terms of tennis and, and whatnot, I think, there's definitely um, a decent part of it that has to do with that. I would say it just requires, you know, like if you if you look at anybody that's made a, a big leap fast, you know, they all have um, major, major weapons and they're really um, taking, uh, they're imposing their will on their opponents, you know, whether it be, you know, Alcaraz now with, you know, a huge forehand and, you know, he's basically trying to hit a winner on almost every point. Um, that puts a lot of fear into guys that are older than him that, you know, are probably pretty tight playing him. Um, and then all of a sudden he's coming in with that much aggression. You know, I think that's why he's risen so fast. Um, and yeah, so I definitely feel like to be successful in men's tennis, um, you need some of that. Yeah, for sure. And do you, do you feel sometimes a little bit frustrated that you haven't broken through? And I wonder, do you personally look at a, something that happened, like let's say Aslan Karatsev of Russia, who really was quiet for many years, although he was a top talent and many people knew about him, didn't have that breakthrough, and all of a sudden it came, and he's rocking and rolling. And, and maybe a guy like Tennis Sangren too, a guy who, who really paid his dues and was able to break through quite impressively and reach quarterfinals at two slams now. I mean, do, do these kind of guys give you inspiration? Um, definitely. I mean, they show me that, you know, no matter, like, how long you might be playing challengers or whatever, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily, like, a challenger player. You just haven't had the right 
you know, it just hasn't clicked yet. Um, like in terms of you making that breakthrough. And I feel, like I said, if I'm able to consistently be healthy and just give myself opportunities week in and week out, I feel like my game, you know, belongs on the ATP tour. So I think um, if I'm able to just keep working hard, keep staying healthy, um, I, I really think that I'll be surprised if I'm not there. Yeah. So, Michael, we got about five minutes left, and I wonder if um, something I'm really curious about is I'd like to know more about your upbringing and also your dad, who sounds like a really interesting guy, was a former ATP pro himself that played for Nigeria, which is kind of interesting. And you grew up and for many years, I think until you were 13, lived in Saudi Arabia. So can you just take me back a little bit through your upbringing and tell me what that was like, kind of being a, like a, uh, a world traveler at such a young age? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, um, yeah, I got a pretty diverse background for sure. My dad, like you said, Nigerian, um, played Davis Cup and everything, played the Olympics for Nigeria. Yeah. Was almost top 100 like career high like 105 or something like that um and you know coming from where he grew up in that was pretty astonishing you know you didn't necessarily have the resources to be a top um tennis player but he still did it and then um my mom being from ireland literally like country land um country city in ireland and uh they just happened to meet in saudi arabia actually through tennis wow and I was I was born there um, because they just they, they stayed there for work and whatnot. And I actually lived there until I was 13 years old, and then I moved straight to Bradenton to train at IMG Academy. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely been you know a cultural like I feel like in terms of me traveling for tournaments and all of that, I've almost been to every continent before I was a professional tennis player. So <laughs> nothing was new. Um, I was always used to traveling, especially internationally. So I feel like that's something that's kind of helped me along this journey. Um, I feel like sometimes Americans or Europeans, when they go to um, the opposite continent, you know, they kind of feel out of place. And sometimes it affects their tennis until they get used to it. So I feel like that's something that I have never struggled with and i think that's because of my diverse background and whatnot mm. and can you tell me more about your dad and, and is he still actively involved in your tennis how does he help you how do you guys work together these days yeah he, he actually um he's been with me down at img for this whole entire week oh, we've cool. been training um and he's not going with me to paris but he's still like my overall like mentor, I would say, you know, anytime he watches all my matches, we usually talk after all my matches and, um, you know, just to get that like insight from him, um, is, is, you know, very beneficial to me. Cause you know, he's obviously been through it and, you know, he obviously cares and 
a lot of the insight he gives me is very beneficial. And um, so who will you travel with when you go to Lyon and then on to Paris to play Roland Garros? Um, I'm actually going to be traveling with um, a guy that I've been traveling with this whole year. His name is Agdi Samarjic. Yes. And basically, he um, is a little bit older than me. I think he was born in 94. So, um, and, you know, we've known each other for a very, very long time. And he's been coaching out of Miami for the past couple of years. And I just felt like, you know, he was a good guy for me because I was kind of in a little bit of a rut. And mm -hmm. I, I thought, you know, he would come in and really just motivate me. Um, you know, he has a very good way with his words. And he just comes with a lot of passion, a lot of energy. And I feel like he's definitely sparked something in me. Um, so that's why I'm going to be traveling with the French. Um, and I look forward to the partnership. Excellent. And you guys been working together at IMG as well. So when your dad's around, Augie's also been with you? Correct. And what has it been like to be at IMG? I mean, um, I know you got a relationship with Sebi Korda. I know you probably hit with him a lot. Shapovalov's down there. Lots of great players. It must be really cool for you to be able to rep with some of um, you know the top players ranking-wise on tour right now. Yeah, I mean, it's good um, in terms of you know the atmosphere of everything. It's a very competitive atmosphere. Um, I'm able to you know hit with Sebi a lot. You know, Shapo when he's there, it's good, you know, just because obviously my, my goal is to be playing with these guys week in and week out. So it's definitely a good place to train because you're just, it feels like you're on the same tour as them when you're training with them. Is, is there anything in, in particular you like about the way Sebi trains or plays? What, what do you think makes him such a such an impressive talent? Um. I would say, you know, he just has a very natural ability of, you know, making contact with a tennis ball. Mm -hmm. You know, it just really comes easy to him. Um, you know, he sees the game very, with like a lot of clarity, I feel. He just plays very smooth and effortless. Um, I think Peter's been a great guy um, in his corner. You know, I don't think you can get too much better in terms of like, mentorship and coaching along the years you know he's very detailed and you know you can see it in Sebi's game everything is like technically everything is almost flawless yeah, yeah. and my last question for you Michael will be a little bit off topic but I, I know you're named after Michael Jordan which is pretty awesome and I know you spent a lot of the pandemic binge-watching The Last Dance so I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that specifically like really when you watch that series, what were, what's a professional athlete looking at? How does how do you see something like that? What do you take away from kind of relearning Michael Jordan's history, and how does it affect you? Yeah, I mean that was super inspiring. You know, just like you said, as a fellow athlete, to see his mentality, and you know, like I feel there's a lot of great athletes, and you know, there's a lot of great basketball players, tennis players, but you know, it's really like the mentality that sets each one of them apart from being, you know, great or good. Yeah. And you definitely see that in Michael, you know, um, and it was just inspiring because like that's something that, you know, it, it can be a switch almost. You know, you can definitely 
bring that spark within. And once you do, I feel like you're really going to reach your full potential. And, you know, Michael and, and the show was uh, a great example of all of that. So, like you said, I was named after him, always look up to him. And that was, uh, that was an amazing documentary. Is there something specifically about his story that you learned that you didn't know that, that hit you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know, you know, that he was basically, you know, coming into the whole thing. You know, obviously he was good, but he wasn't hyped like a LeBron. Mm. Um, and, you know, he kind of had that chip on his shoulder. Obviously that shot in the NCAA finals, that definitely gave him a lot of confidence. But overall, he didn't come in like some of these guys come in and, you know, he proved himself to be the best. So that that's something special so i didn't know that he was that <clears throat> overlooked in a sense yeah that's pretty that's a good part of the story and and who would you say uh, if you look out on tour you think there's an mj of tennis is there a michael jordan of tennis and if so who would it be that's a good question <laughs> um i always said the greatest of all time was in my opinion like when he's playing the best was Djokovic. That's mm. what I always said, just in terms of tennis. But who would have a who would have a Jordan type mentality? Yeah, I, I would probably have to pick. I would probably have to pick Fed. You know, just because both of them are like uber confident and super competitive at the same time. Obviously, Fed doesn't have like the trash talking aspect of things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think tennis in general you're pretty limited when it comes to trash talking it's not the same as basketball yeah i'll say so i would i would pick Feder, especially because he's a little bit older now um he was kind of like that first guy like all those rf uh shoes and whatnot they were selling a lot more than you know djokovic's shoes or nadal's shoes so that kind of represents like jordan you know he was selling the most shoes at any b-ball player maybe ever so Yep. Uh, I'll probably say Roger. Yeah. Both of them are icons on and off the court. Yep. Yeah. I I'd have to I think I'd agree with you there. And they've got that Nike connection for they did have the Nike connection. And and Michael, last question. Do you think what you talked about with MJ's mentality and um and some of the other things you mentioned, do you think you can parallel that to your, to yourself and does that give you inspiration and something that, that like watching that series and kinda of getting closer with it is actually an ad for you personally? Yeah, hundred percent. Like uh, that's why it's kind of exciting and inspiring watching a documentary like that because you can see that you know that mental switch. It, you know, it's it, it sounds tough and it sounds um, you know like it's years and years of a certain type of mindset. But once you do make that switch, it can be night and day. And I feel like I'm starting to make that switch. I already feel it. Yeah. I feel like. Um, I'm getting more passionate about the game, and uh, I think that's the key, you know, ultimately. You know, I think somebody who's extremely passionate about what they do day in and day out is just going to show in their work and results. Awesome. Well said. Michael, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Congrats on the success and, and being in the main draw at Roland Garros. I'll be out in Paris, and I'll be looking forward to watching you play. And good luck out there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Good talking to you. I'll see you over there. Excellent. Thanks for your time.
This edition of the Lucky Let Cord Podcast is a wrap. Extra special thanks to Michael Moe for joining us, and good luck out at Roland Garros. Michael, hopefully you'll do some damage in the main draw. Don't forget the draw takes place on Thursday. Main draw at Roland Garros will begin on Sunday. You can keep tuned to all the action at www.tennisnow.com. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com slash tennisnow, at Twitter, which is at tennis underscore now. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love it if you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. You can just uh, open your Apple Podcasts app, type in Lucky Let Cord Podcast, and voila, you can find us. Your input means a lot to us. It keeps us going. It fires us up. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks again to Michael Moe. You guys enjoy Roland Garros. We will talk to you soon.